All right, we're back from the break. My man, Shani J, who you got this week for our Lions, our pride profile? Today, I'd like to talk to you about a Lion who didn't play very long with us, but his years were very productive. From 2003 to 2006, I talked about Mr. Dre Bly. Now, I met Dre Bly in person when he was in town here. He has his own radio show. I used to call in on a regular. I went to the um, Big Boy restaurant where he did the broadcast from a couple of times and meet him, really nice guy, him and Jim Brandstatter, who was still with the Lions at the time. You know what? I called so much. I, I tell you, I used to call the radio station so much, especially the Lions on shows like that. They were waiting for my call. They expected my call. You know, <laughs> I was very popular. Shout from Detroit, you know. Anyway, the profile, Dre Bly, he was born May 22nd, 1977, Chesapeake Bay, Virginia. He was, uh, he won the stars All-American at the University of North Carolina. His junior season, he had a record 13 interceptions in one season. He came out after his junior season and was drafted by the St. Louis Rams in the second round in 1999. He was there as a member of the uh, the Rams Super Bowl championship winning team with Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf. He was off pro performer for the LA, excuse me, the St. Louis Rams from 99 to 2002. In 2003, when Steve Mariucci was hired by the Lions, he wooed his first, Lions' first big free agent signing, Dre Bly, who had a good thing going to St. Louis and he, he got him to come over to the Lions, a big sign of track. And he right away was a hit. In his four seasons with the Lions, he was a all pro two times. However, all the losing kind of frustrated. He had a good situation in St. Louis to move his family here for this, where the Lions did not have one single winning season. Um, he was one of Joey Harrison's biggest critics, he said, you know, the team we better, they got better quarterback play. So obviously, who was he talking about at the time? Um, if I can regress, I still say it wasn't all Joey's fault, but, you know, the quarterback gets to blame when things going bad, just like the head coach. Dre Bly, you know, he, after the 2006 season, he left the Lions. He was traded to the Denver Broncos, where he played one season, two seasons, excuse me, 2007-2008. He, he returned to Ford Field. In 2007, with the Broncos and with the Lions, who mollywhopped them, you know, blew them out and included a big interception return for a touchdown by Big Sean Rogers. He had some wheels. You remember that game when Sean Rogers turned the interception? Yes. yes. I mean, he moved fast for a 350 pound guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dre Bly played one full season, his last full season in NFL, 2009, with the San Francisco 49ers. They, he came back to the Lions in the preseason of 2010. I was happy to see him back. He had a big pick in the preseason that year, but for whatever reason, Jim Schwartz decided to cut him, go with some younger guys. Dre retired from the NFL after that, and today he's the defensive back at his alma mater, University of North Carolina. Dre Bly is one of my favorite lines. I got to meet him personally. I called him his radio show the four years he was here doing it. Um, I called him the day. I'm sure you remember me. You know, I like Dre Bly. He's one of my favorite Lions. I wish they I wish they had more success from here because they, you know, once again, the Lions wasted the, talent, the time and talent of another great player, as they so often done. I hate saying that. I love my Lions, but they wasting talent, like with Barry Sanders and Stafford and Dre Bly and others. I hope I really wish the Lions get this shit together. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's this week's profile, Mr. Dre Bly. All right. Thank you, my man. All right. Now it's time for Now You Know. We'll be back after this. Uh-huh. 
Now You Know is brought to you by Foster Camera Solutions. For your home or business security needs, call Dan at Foster Camera Solutions for a free estimate at 248-672-8640. With no monthly fees and self-monitoring from your smartphone, computer, or tablet, let Foster Camera Solutions design a security camera system that fits your needs. You can also visit their Facebook page for more information at facebook.com slash foster camera solutions. Remember, foster camera solutions when securing your home or business. What up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to this week's edition of Now You Know. This week, we're going to cover the 10-second runoff rule. We're going to show you how it's applied, break it down for you, and give you some examples of when this rule has applied to the detriment of the Lions. So let's get into it. The 10-second runoff option exists to prevent one team from taking advantage of its own penalty or injury by stopping the clock without using a timeout. If the game has 10 or fewer seconds left, a runoff can end the game. But we'll get to that a little bit later. A team can spend a timeout to prevent a 10-second runoff. It works the same way in college and the NFL. However, this is a Lions podcast, so we're going to focus on the NFL rules. For the 10-second runoff rule to be activated, you need three things. One, you need one of these, an injury timeout, a player's helmet coming off during a play and not due to a foul, or an accepted penalty for one of a number of fouls. If the penalty yardage is declined, the 10-second runoff is declined as well. However, if any of these things happen to both teams on the same play, there is no option for a 10-second runoff. Two, the incident in question has to happen in the last minute of the half. There cannot be a runoff in the other 58 minutes of the game. The final minutes of the first and third quarters do not apply for the 10-second runoff. And three, most complicated, the injury Helmet or foul issue is the only reason the clock is stopped. If the clock is not running when the foul occurs, there is no 10-second runoff for that injury or helmet issue. Now, the fouls that can cause a 10-second runoff are the kind seemingly designed to gain an unfair advantage and to stop the clock, intentionally grounding or incomplete illegal pass. For example, if the offense throws an illegal forward pass to a tight end, number 88, and he drops it, if we have no potential for the runoff, everything is kosher. However, if the passer throws to number 66, which is the offensive lineman, and there is no eligible receiver in the area and he drops it, the clock stops by an illegal means, meaning an illegal forward pass to an ineligible receiver, the offense will be penalized and the defense will have the option for a 10-second runoff. If the foul doesn't cause the clock to stop as an illegal forward pass would, but the administration caused a penalty to stop it as in a holding, there is no runoff. However, 
Also, an eligible runoff for a false start or a snap infraction or a dead ball foul that prevents the next play from starting. There is also a 10 second runoff for that. So basically, if a lineman does a false start on purpose for stopping the clock, there is a 10 second runoff. If the clock is running at the time of the foul, there is a runoff option because a foul is the reason that the clock has stopped. If, however, the clock is not running because of a previous incomplete pass or a timeout or whatever you have, there is no runoff option. Now let's get into what happens for the game clock administration. And this has happened to the Lions in a previous game. And we'll break this down for you. Game clock administration, section five, article two of the NFL rule book the 10 second runoff when a change ruling results in a running clock for plays that begin after the two minute warning the clock is reset to the time when the play should have ended and the clock will run for 10 seconds from the reset time if there is less than 10 seconds remaining in the half or game the game will end on the 10 second runoff no Neither team may decline a 10 second runoff under this article, but either team can avoid a 10 second runoff by taking a charge team timeout. If the 10 second runoff is avoided, the game clock will be reset to the time and when the play should have ended and will start at the snap. Now, let's get into it when this rule has been to the detriment of the Lions. The Lions fell victim to this runoff rule a few years ago versus the Atlanta Falcons. There was a booth review for a scoring play by Golden Tate at the end of the game that was overturned by the officials. Because he was ruled down prior to crossing the goal line with seven seconds left on the clock, the Lions were out of timeouts. So. They reset the ball and started the clock and the 10 second runoff ended the game. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The 10 second runoff rule. We know how it applies now and how it is made to prevent teams from taking advantage of falling down or faking an injury to stop the clock at the end of the game. If a team doesn't have timeouts, you cannot do that. If so, the clock will run for 10 seconds and it could potentially end the game. So for all y'all out there, if you don't know, now you know, that's how the 10 second rule is done. Now let's get back to the Die Hard Den podcast with my man, Shawnee J. We're back from now, you know. Now it's time to go on to the next one. Lions, Redskins, my man, what you got for this game? Who do you think is going to win and what the score is going to be? Well, I don't care what the score is. The Lions better beat the Redskins. The Redskins are horrible. I mean, they're playing a rookie <laughs> quarterback who, say, uh, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks don't do well in the NFL anyway. Tell me one quarterback from NFL, excuse me, one quarterback from Ohio State has done well. That's what the I NFL, thought. I yes. Really 
don't know. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. Not one. They are awesome at college, but when they're in the pros, they don't do nothing. And like I said, it's going the same way with Dwayne Haskins, you know. Next Buckeye bus, I call it. So, Lions better blow out the Redskins. They got an ancient running back and 34-year-old um, Adrian Peterson, um, who's leading them rushing. He wants to play till he's 50. He needs to with his financial situation the way it is. Don't mean uh, um, this the man, but I'm just telling like it is. A uh, hard-hitting journalist. You got to stick to the facts. You can't sugarcoat things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lions <laughs> better win. I mean, I hate the Redskins. You know, the Redskins used to dominate the Lions, but the Lions won the last four games against the Redskins. Let's make it five. And we broke the curse of RFK or Washington, rather. We won there six years ago. Jim Schwartz led us into that victory, the first victory in history that we had in Washington. So that's that monkey's off our back. I think the Lions should win this game 28 to 17. I will go with the Lions as well, and I will take your score, and I will say 28 to 20 Lions will win on Sunday. Give me a win. Give me a win. That's all we want. Now it's time to get on out of here. Let's give the people our social media information so they can get a hold of us. How can they find you, my man, Shiny J, on social media? Well, I'm mainly on Facebook. You can look me up, Sharon Jennings, on Facebook. I run the um, Detroit Lions Truest fan page. I'll be happy to add you if you want to join. And we also have the Die Hard Den page down on Facebook, which I'm also running. You, know, you can join. You can, you know, listen to our podcast. I'm going to start doing some more postings, the same postings I do in the group. Let's get this page going. Right. Like Sean said, we do have our new Die Hard Den podcast uh, page up on Facebook. You can also find me, Curtis Steele, on Twitter. C-U-R-T-I-S-S-T-E-E-L-E-1-4 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the Die Hard Damn Podcast on Twitter at Die Hard Damn Pod C1. You can follow the sh- show on Instagram. We're going to start posting some pictures uh, on there where I'll take some pictures of myself recording and some other uh, posts we're going to put on Instagram at Die Hard Damn Podcast on Instagram as well. And you can always email the show, diehardenpodcast at gmail.com. And I want to thank my individuals in the Detroit Lions Die Hard fan page who participated in the poll today. Thank you very much. I will use definitely use you in more polls going forward. I value your opinion. And we will post some of these polls on our, excuse me, Die Hard Den podcast page. And for my man, Shani J, we want to thank you for listening. Now, for next week, um, I will be on my 25th anniversary cruise. So we will not have a show next week after the Redskins game. We will have a show the following week after the Thanksgiving game. So we don't have a show next week. I'm celebrating with my family. We're going on a cruise to Jamaica. and. My wife will kill me if I try to shoot a podcast while I'm out in the middle of the ocean with Shawnee J. So, <laughs> Tell her you just need 45 minutes of, of a yeah. free time. Go to the beach, go shopping. Let it give you yeah. 45 minutes to do the show. <laughs> we gonna, but I'll be in the middle of the ocean uh, on a cruise enjoying my family and my wife and my 
and my uh, my nephew and my son, and we are we were celebrating as a family. So uh, we're gonna have some good time. So, but I will happily be back to record the following week after the Thanksgiving games. So for my man Shiny J, this is Kurt Steele, and we appreciate you listening to the Die Hard Den podcast, and we are out. Well, spoiled again by Dallas. Coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den podcast, Shawnee J and I break down the Lions' loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. We have a Now You Know segment that covers the 10-second runoff. And we look at should the Lions shut down Matthew Stafford for the rest of the season. All this and more coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den podcast. Watch out. Here comes that roar. This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to this edition of the Die Hard Den Podcast. And as always, I'm with my man, Shiny J. What's happening, Curtis? How you doing? Hey, man, everything's all right. Now, this week was a rough one for me. Um, I pretty much despised uh, the team in Dallas, so it was kind of rough watching the game. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I take it with a grain of salt. But other than that, Hey, man, you know, we got some things to talk about, but let's start the show off on a positive note. So as always, it is time to tell me something good. Now, I have a couple of tell me something good this week that one of them was really near and dear to my heart because of the fact that if you don't know, I was in the military for 26 years. Well, first, we're going to start with the Lions rookies. On Monday, they served dinner at Fort Field to families from nonprofit organizations. Now, if you know about nonprofits, most times these are people who service people from underserved uh, or underprivileged individuals. So for the Lions rookies and the Lions organization, you know, in the spirit of giving, you know, we're almost at the Thanksgiving time. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks from now, it'll be Thanksgiving. You know, we did it a little early, uh, the Lions did. However, it still means a lot for them to give back to their community. And I applaud the Lions and their rookies for showing up to Fort Field to do that community outreach. However, there's one more thing. You know, Veterans Day just passed. And throughout the month of November, the NFL does salute the service. And this year, the Lions really did something special for a group of veterans that most people really don't think that they're still alive. But there are some that's few and far between alive. Now, this is what the Lions did. The Lions teamed up with the Lions Alumni Association and a group called Talents Out. And that's a nonprofit who they do hero flights. So basically what they did is they flew 70 veterans from, well, 70 veterans total from the World War II, Korea, and Vietnam War eras to Washington, D.C., to their war memorials. So they can go and visit. And a lot of these veterans that served in those wars had never been to D.C. to visit the war memorials. Wow, and, that's interesting. 
And the craziest thing is that one of the veterans um, in the group with the Lions, and it was 10 Lions legends went with those guys. So it just wasn't the the uh, the veterans themselves, but the Lions organization, you know, and the alumni went out there to D.C. with these individuals and got to, you know, part, you know, got to participate in this event and got to walk around with these veterans, talk to them. And one of the veterans on the tour, his picture was on one of the memorials. So this is, you know, something that was probably really surreal for the veteran and the player who was with him to witness all this. If you want to go out and check this, uh, want to go and check this out online, you can go to lions.com and look at the honor flight. The video is up on DetroitLions.com and check it out. It's very special. And again, to my brothers and sisters in arms who served in the military, thank you for your service. Really appreciate that. And happy belated Veterans Day to my brothers and sisters in arms. Let me so, say quickly, I'm, I'm happy the NFL is doing this. They do it more so. You don't see the other major sports leagues like the NBA or NHL or Major League Baseball doing this. So I'm glad the NFL is doing it. And and I hope that, you know, it seems to me like the, the veterans who suffer the most who were neglected the most were the Vietnam era veterans. I think, yeah. you know. I think they've been. I don't know why that is. Why were? Why you think Vietnam veterans were mistreated so badly? Well, the, it was a very anti-war society in America at that time. You're looking at the time where it was, you know, the time of the hippie and make love, not war, and they just wasn't. They just weren't honored. You know, it was a a conflict that many people in the U.S. did not think we belong in that conflict. So the veterans were treated. Um, very badly uh, coming back from Vietnam. You know, it wasn't what we have now, the fanfare. And, you know, I've, you know, I've served two tours in Afghanistan and, you know, got a hero's welcome when I came in or, you know, I couldn't buy a meal in the, in the airport or if I was in uniform or whatever. And I appreciate the support. But I think a Vietnam veteran, every time I see one, you know, me being a veteran myself, I know the history of that conflict and how individuals were treated so uh, i thank a vietnam veteran every time i see one uh, and they didn't wear a hat or anything like that so uh, and before we I, move on to the lions curse i want to say quick uh, ask you quick did you ever see the movie dead presidents yes i did that's an excellent movie <laughs> yeah yeah um and but some of that stuff is very true and uh, of that in vietnam era um i have a friend of mine's uh, father who who still fights with the va to this day uh, for to get his rating from the Vietnam era, and it's it's still it's it's sad, but you know I still honor those guys. You know I make it a point to go out of my way to recognize the Vietnam era vets because of the way they were treated when they returned back uh, yes. to the country from uh, serving over there. So now got that out the way. Thank you to the veterans, and now it is time to go on the ball this week. Lions. Cowboys, offensive side of the ball. I will say this, from what I viewed on TV, now he didn't have a perfect day, but Driscoll played solid. You know, 15 for 26, 209, two touchdowns, sacked three times. He wasn't consistent all day as a passer, but he did enough. You know, it wasn't a, he didn't have a terrible game. I mean, the, 
the team was right in there, you know, within eight points of the Cowboys at the end of the game. What do you think about Jeff Driscoll? They had good seats. You know, actually, my company provided a suite for us, you know, okay. one of the luxury suites mm-hmm. on the 50 yard line. It was awesome view. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, Driscoll, he did some good things. Like I said, he threw for two TDs, and he also ran for one. Let's not forget about yeah. that. But I think, you know, he has the talent, he has the intangibles. He has good size, strong arm, and he's good speed and mobility, athletic ability for a big guy. But yeah. I think he was a little tentative at times out there. That's what that's kind of experience. We were yelling, run, run, run. He opened the field, but he was still looking downfield for receiver when he, should, he had 20-yard open field in front of him. So, yeah. like I said, I think... You know, he has a strong arm. You know what they say about young quarterbacks with strong arms? They think they can thread the needle all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he didn't have any turnovers. So I give him credit for that. But I think he should have ran a few more times than he did because um, he could have had a 100-yard game if he took the – when he ran, when the Cowboys, you know, gave him 20 yards of field to run with. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he did play a pretty good game. They didn't lose the game because of him. But also, I give a shout-out to my boy, Bo. You know, yeah. not but you know, Bo um, Scarborough. I always like Scarborough. I liked him a lot. I'm glad that he's on the Lions. I want the Lions to give him the get him. But the question about Scarborough is not talent. Mm-hmm. Is can he stay healthy? Right. Just like Kerry Johnson, Bo's been injured in high school. He's been injured in college. So can he survive in the NFL? That's always the question. That's why he was drafted so low. Right. Yeah, the talent is there, but can he stay healthy? Right. Um, Speaking of Scar, uh, Bo Scarborough, yeah, he had a good game, 55 yards in the debut on 14 carries, a little over three yards a carry, and a touchdown. So he did have a, a solid uh, debut. Um, now, running the ball, the Lions outrushed the Cowboys, which having Zeke Elliott actually in the game was pretty rare. You know, the Lions had 121 on the ground, and the – the Cowboys only ran for 75 yards with uh, Zeke Elliott. Now, Frank Ragnow, yeah, it was a, you know, he left with a concussion in, uh, late in the game, excuse me, late in the second half. And also Nick Bowden left the game early in the game with a knee injury. The, the offense really kind of sputtered their first half, you know, excuse me, sputtered the whole game. They played good in spurts, um, made some plays when they needed to. I just think that with the amount of injuries and a lot of, a lack of continuity on the offense was really, and I would say some some uh, up and down inconsistent play by Driscoll, like you were saying, needed to run more, was the reason why the offense really couldn't put that final drive together to get back into the game. They just weren't uh, have a consistent rhythm throughout the game. They had it in spurts, but not totally a whole game where it was one fluid game plan with it whole game yeah and the injury bug has really bit the Lions hard this year out Stafford's out carry-on's out several players are out and you mentioned that um Frank Ragnar went out for concussion he's in protocol and so is um um Trey Flowers you know right. uh, poor man's Reggie White you know the best <laughs> he played I was reading his PFF score he actually had a pretty good game against all pro tackle um, mm-hmm. Tyron Smith, but the concussions, I actually question for you. It's like the mm-hmm. concussions are on the rise, at least with the Lions and other teams. This new helmet design, it's not really doing protecting you any more than the old helmet did, huh? Uh, I would say that 
uh, concussions are on the rise. And the the question is that wasn't the new helmet supposed to help with concussions? Exactly, exactly. And make the, and lessen the amount of them. So, um, and I want to say this right quick, and hey, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it. Maybe uh, Antonio Brown had a point with his helmet. Maybe he did. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe he, maybe he was, maybe he had a valid, a valid issue, a valid issue with the helmet. He didn't want to change, for, and it was uh, for a good reason. But now we've got the offense out the way. Now let's go defend the den. It was it was rough, brother. Yes, um, it was. The two bright spots for me before we get into the negative, Slay had a good game against Cooper, held him to three catches on eight targets for 38 yards. For a Cooper, who's a number one receiver, that's a very, very um slow day. And like we said, the Cowboys only rushed for 75 yards for excuse me for this game. Now here's the negative. Gave up 444 passing yards and three TDs to Dak Prescott. He had his best day passing in his career on Sunday. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, he couldn't throw the ball to Cooper, but our two big name who free agents who played so well earlier in the year, I mean, they were getting forced. I yes, mean, they were. Uh, Melvin and Coleman were getting lit up all game. Randall Cobb and um, I forget the other guy's name. Um, Gallup were really killing those guys. Um, it was very hard to watch. You know, a little QB pressure. Now, I will say this, and this is probably you. They did blitz more on Sunday than they have in a long time. However, it only yielded one sack because they, they blitz more than they have in a long time. And they were getting pressured, but they only got to him once. And, you know, Tracy Walker gave it a go, but he ended up coming out the game again. Like you said, Trey Flowers came out the game with a concussion. There's a lot, a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball already coming into the game with Deshaun Hand and a couple other guys. Um, Walker was not 100% coming into the game. I think he just gave it the old try to see if he can get out there and play because he wants to be on the field. He's a gamer like that. But um, it was just a t- overall horrible day in the past defense. What do you say, my man? Exactly. It was, you know, I was once had a bird's eye view. That crossing pad, I watched that. I mean, the guy, there was nobody on the one side of the field. He had 30 yards to run, you know, before a lion got over there. I mean, it's terrible. Like, lions had no defenders on that side of the field. Guys are wide open. I mean, it okay, the pass rush goes behind that. What's wrong with our, our secondary? I mean, like you said, Melvin... And coming into the season, that was supposed to be a strong suit. You know, yes. bad, quick secondary. Exactly. It's just, it's just not working, my man, right now. It is, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I can't explain it because the talent is there. So I, I can't. Maybe blitzing, but we're not getting there like we should. Even though we're blitzing, we're still not getting through to the quarterback enough. You know, we are blitzing. And um, I watched the game, you know, people we watched the game with. Prescott still had too much time, even when the blitz came. You know, the Cowboys picked up the Lions blitz well. I mean, so we, even though we're blitzing, we're still not getting there. Prescott had way too much time to throw the ball. Still, was one sec, like you said. Um, I still want more pressure, more aggressive. Yeah, I like the blitzing, but you still got to 
finish, you know, get there. You know, um, I was so disappointed. The big guy, John Atkins, he missed a sack. He had him. He didn't wrap him yeah. up. He tried to throw him down. He just let him slip out of his hands. Yeah, oh my that's God. that Prescott's not a small guy. So you're not going to fling him to the ground. He's got a strong base. I mean, he's a pretty solid guy for a quarterback. So yeah, he's just good size. Yeah. yeah you're not gonna just going gonna to push him over and think he's going to just um, – you know, fall over and, and take a sack. He he's a you know sturdy guy, so I don't know what to say. I I just think that the play needs to be more consistent. Right now, I can't say we don't have the talent because the talent is there. You know, we may be a little young in as far as the back end of the secondary at the safety position, but we got ex- three experienced starting corners. I just don't see I have really an excuse for the best secondary play out. I just don't have one. Um, yeah, and this will be so fast, you know. According to Kent Plant, Kent Lee Plant, the 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 uh, PFF expert for the Lions, you know, and mm-hmm. he's analytical expert. He said the Lions had the fastest secondary they ever had, and so far that speed hasn't really helped because the receivers have been that much faster. They were cowboy yeah. receivers are wide open, nobody around them. So my God, where is the secondary? Yeah, it, it was terrible. Um, Looking at the special teams, I think, you know, and you really don't want this because of the fact that it means your offense isn't scoring a lot of points. Sam Martin did have a good day punting. He had six punts, and four of them were end up down inside the 20-yard line. So that's, for a punter, that's a pretty good game. I can't really say a lot about, you know, Prater. He made all of his extra points. Agnew was having a decent game returning the ball uh, before he got injured and went out with a leg injury. So it was... I mean, even the injury book hit the special teams. It wasn't just the offense and defense. It hit, it hit the special teams as well. Yeah. It, sure. was just, it, it was just a bad time for all for that injury bug. It was like a match unit out there. And it was just like, you know, the medicals team was very busy for the Lions during this game. And I would say this for the Cowboys, too. Now, watching at home, they did have some guys that went out as well. I'm not really concerned about the Cowboys having players hurt, but I don't want anybody to have a career injury, a career ending injury, but. You know, it's more significant for me for the Lions because that's who I'm watching the game for. I'm not watching the game for the Cowboys. So um, I would just say that, hey, one of those things where, you know, we're going to look at the injury report that comes out. Uh, the first one comes out tomorrow afternoon. Well, it would it be today when it this podcast posts on Wednesday. So we'll see what we're looking like as far as the injury report going into next week versus the Redskins. So, you know, like it's going to be thin as well. But there you go. We have it. That's Defend the Den. Now it is time for Two Points Conversing. Now this week, we got some topics to talk about, my man. So let's get into it. Now I posted a Facebook poll on the Detroit Lions Die Hard fan book page and I asked the question. My question was, should the Lions shut down Matthew Stafford and the other key injured starters for the rest of the season because of the fact that they're pretty much mathematically eliminated from the playoffs at this point? And I got 62 responses. I got 56 yes and 6 no. So, my man, Shawnee J, do you think the Lions should shut those key starters down for the rest of the season? I say yes once they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Now, they still got a slim chance, maybe 1% or half percent chance when it's totally over. I say yes, but Stafford says he doesn't want to shut it down. He wants to get back in there. You know, it shows Stafford's hiring competitiveness. You know, even though the team's not going anywhere this year, he still wants to get out there and play, but 
I want to see him get healthy. I want his back, his whole body to heal, his back, his hip, his whole body. I mean, he's taking a beating. Right. You know, I want him to heal healthy. And I want to see, if we're going to make a run, I want to see what um, the young guys, you know, like Jeff Driscoll and Bo um, Scarborough, even Bo Benchwap. I want to see my boy, other Bo, get in there, who I've been pining for all year, you know, all season, you know. I thought he'd be a starter, you know. But... Young guys, see the young guys play because that's why I don't want to see the Lions tank. Most fans say, oh, well, just tank, just tank the rest of the game so you get a high draft pick. No, you know, because young men, jobs are on the line. You know, you don't know what they can do or you don't know if they can play or not. If you tell them to lay down tank, coaches' jobs are on the line, players' jobs are on the line. Nobody yeah. can afford tank, even though that's what the fans and the media want to see from the Lions. I'd say win. We try to win, still win. I don't care if you have to play, yeah. win. And what, you know, I heard years ago, from some smart ass uh, analysts, he says, "Well, good teams don't need a whole lot of high draft picks to be good. Well, so let's win, and we'll pick where we pick. You know, so don't don't lose on purpose just so you be in the top five. That's my thing, right? Um, I would agree with you as far as once they're ma- mathematically eliminated. I never want to see a team tank to get a higher draft pick. I want you to do your job, and I want you to play as hard as you can." If you play as hard as you can and you lose and you gave it all you got, that's one thing. But if you go out there and you just lay an egg because you want to get a higher draft pick, that's not something I can sign up for. I don't want anyone to purposely, excuse me, purposely lose. Right. Don't do that. You know, it's it's well, it's not a good precedent to set. It's not a good example to set for. Younger players, you know, they're watching you, kids in high school and college. That whole tanking thing, you know, that's, to me, that's like point shaving, you know. And that's why in the NBA, they have a lottery. So, you know, teams won't get the number one draft pick because of the fact that they just tank the whole season. Yes. Um, I don't see the NFL going to a lottery, a draft lottery. I don't see that in the future. I don't see that being ever being approved in the CBA. But, yeah, I think the Lions should rest those guys once they are uh, mathematically eliminated. But I still want those guys who are playing to play hard and play to win. Yes, I do, too. I do, too. Now, next question. You said it earlier in the game, you know, excuse me, earlier in the show, that you were at Fort Field watching the game. Now, I will tell you, watching at home, I was so embarrassed it sounded like a cowboys home game you can hear them cheering and you know they make a play and i'm like what's going on it was uh, i thought we were playing at at&t stadium what was the atmosphere like there for a field my guy yeah, it was um, a lot of Cowboy fans there. I saw them walking around the concourse, you know, walking outside the stadium. Um, there was about 10 to 20, I would say about 10 to 20,000 Cowboy fans at the game. Um, they were loud, but they were awfully quiet when the Lions were scoring, making big plays. That's why I wanted to win so bad. To sit them back, you know, it's down the tails between their legs. Like I said, it was so obnoxious. I wanted to really sock one. I'm a big guy. I would have I knocked one out. Yeah, I just want to knock one out. Just <laughs> Take that smug look off his face. Um, anyway, I was a good sport. I promise my mama wouldn't do that. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't throw any punches. But um, yeah, they could be so just like Packer fans or Ohio State Buckeye fans. Yeah. See why the Cowboys are hated because you know they're so feeling so entitled. And you know, I heard years ago somebody, yeah, a former player said, "Isn't that the most?" 
arrogant thing ever to call yourself America's self playing America's team. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. I used to like the Cowboys, but not again. They're like, I'm, I'm viewing them like Ohio State or Notre Dame or Green Bay, you know, or the New York Yankees, a team you love to hate because there were a lot of Cowboy fans there. So, yeah, I, I will say this. Um, it was quite embarrassing. And one thing I did see, um, and I don't know if you saw this on social media. Now, you know that it's rumored that the uh, owner of Amazon was trying to, trying to, this is only a rumor, a conjecture that he's trying to buy the Lions. And it was some fans uh, on Facebook said, was calling for Lions fans to force Martha Firestone's hand to sell the team and boycott the game on Sunday, uh, excuse me, on Thanksgiving. Don't show up at the game, you know, kind of like really force her hand to kind of sell the team like the Fords have owned this team enough, long enough, and they haven't had any success. That kind of forced them out of the out of the uh, ownership by not supporting the team. I did see that, and I posted that in the group, Lions Truest Fan Group, and some people were, yeah, 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 they are for it. Others say, well, be careful what you ask for, because especially with a guy who lives out of town, he might move the team away. So there's, and I also read an interesting article, just because a new owner buys a team, that's bad. It doesn't automatically mean they're going to become successful. So there's right. still some things, you know, there's some some positives and negatives, you know, about that. All right. Now, this is a Lions podcast. However, there's one thing I really want to talk about that happened on Thursday night football. Unless you've been living under a rock, you should know about the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph fight that happened where in the end of the fight was really when Miles Garrett took off Mason Rudolph's helmet and hit him in the head with it. Um, Miles Garrett has been suspended indefinitely. Definitely won't see him, in my opinion, for the rest of this season and probably for a few games next season. Now, there's people out there saying that Mason Rudolph kind of really started it when he tried to pull off Miles Garrett's helmet when they were on the ground. Eight seconds in the game, was it really necessity for Miles Garrett to hit Mason Rudolph after he threw a pass? He was playing the game. You know, it happens, but, you know, the Steelers were already losing. Rudolph had a terrible game. Was a frustration on Rudolph's part? And then that led to the bigger problem where Garrett uh, retaliated with those poor decisions. Uh, I don't know, but it looked, the optics of it for Miles Garrett are terrible. What do you think about that situation? Uh, Mason Rudolph did start it. He did try to take his helmet off on the ground. And if you look at the replay and the steals been all over social media, Garrett, excuse me, Mason hit Garrett in the nuts twice. He kicked him in the nuts while he was on the ground. Then he tried to punch him in the nuts. That's when, that's when Garrett let him have his own helmet. Bam! And Mason Rudolph was fined over thirty thousand dollars for his part in the in the fight. He should get some suspension. He should miss some games too, in my opinion. So everybody, you know, it did go try and play the victim again. But Mason Rudolph started the whole damn thing, so he should get at least six games, just like um, Gary did, in my opinion. Right now, I will say this. Now, in my opinion, 
If that would have happened in Pittsburgh, Miles Garrett wouldn't have got out of town. Miles Garrett would have ended up probably spending the night in jail for assault because what he did was technically assault. I mean, in the every sense of where he used a helmet as a weapon and struck another player with it. Now, it was the air hole at the bottom of the helmet, the opening, you know, he did, you know, little some of the air pad on him. But if he didn't hit him with that, if he would have hit him with the crown of the helmet, that could have went totally different. You know, uh, at size of Miles Garrett, and the, if he just went that with some force and hit him in the face with it with the crown of the helmet, at the temple, he could have killed Mason Rudolph with that helmet easily. I mean, Miles Garrett is a big individual. So I would say this. Luckily, none of that stuff happened. But it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some legal action taken against Miles Garrett down the line. Um, Mason Rudolph always said he wasn't going to press charges. He thought about it, but he thought he said he's not going to do it. Plus, he knows he's partially guilty, responsible too. They review his actions too. Look, man, you kicked a man in the nuts while he's on the ground, then you right. hit him some of the nuts. So you brought this yeah. on yourself. It's self defense on Garrett's part, right? Let me ask you, what's worse? What happened last Thursday night or years mm-hmm. ago when Joe Turkey Jones slammed Terry Bradshaw on his head at the game, Cleveland Pittsburgh? Oh. Mm. I would that that's a hard one because both could have either both could have paralyzed either man. Yes. And or you know, or could have killed either man because he could have snapped Bradshaw's neck and yep. killed him. Uh I I I am gonna I'm gonna even draw with that one, man. It's I mean they're both heinous acts where the only difference really the difference for me is that Miles Garrett used a weapon in his case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's my only, you know, he used it, that helmet as a weapon. And that's what have me leaning towards the Miles Garrett incident as being somewhat worse because of the weapon factor. But they both were very vile and heinous acts, uh, violent acts on the football field. And there's no real, I mean, football is a violent sport enough as it is but we don't need that type of um aggression as far as you know violent acts towards each other that's really not part of the game you know that stuff is not supposed to be part of the game so i I don't get it you know what i'm saying but hey it is what it is um that's what we got this week for two points conversing so when we get back from the break my man, Shawnee J, is going to do a upright profile on a high-flying shutdown corner in Lions history. <laughs> 